All right, welcome to another episode of the Light Bulb Factory, conversation centered on the church becoming the light of the world. We are back again today with another discussion episode, and we are starting a new series today. We are starting a series on on spiritual disciplines. We're really excited to jump into this. I've got a guest with me today, uh, Will. Why don't you introduce yourself, man? Yeah. Hey, guys. Uh, this is Will Bowden. Uh, I work at Baylor. I'm the associate director for the the Baylor Baptist Student Ministry, BSM. Uh, I also work part time as a college pastor at First Woodway. So Ryan and I got to know each other a couple of years ago, maybe. Yeah, I don't know how. Yeah, we both like disc golf. So. Yeah, we do. We do. Yeah. Um, we, we, Will and I have played disc golf together not enough times, no, but, true. but, uh, but you know, he, he keeps me competitive, p- pushes me. So, you know, and, and you, you've gotten a lot better in the past year and a half. I know, but, but I, it's true, but I think you beat me like every time we go out. So I gotta, I'm, it's been a while. I need, so we'll we see. need to get back out there. So yep. we really do. Um, well, Will, Will's a good friend and I'm happy to have him here on the, on the podcast today as we have a good conversation, um, about, um, spiritual disciplines. We started mm-hmm. a, a series this past Sunday, and uh, we actually uh, we followed John Mark Comer on this to say that uh, spiritual disciplines is one way these are talked about. But we actually want to talk about them as the practices of Jesus. You mm-hmm. know that these are things that Jesus did and modeled in his own life. You know, uh, we're talking about prayer, silence and solitude, reading the Bible, fasting. You know, uh, living simply. You know, Sabbath. All things that Jesus did, and if we want to become like Jesus, then we ought to practice life the way Jesus practiced it, so that we can kind of take on the life that he he had as well. Um, so that's what we're here to talk about today, and I thought Will would be uh, a great partner to to do it. So um, yeah, what what Will? I guess how how do you think about spiritual disciplines? Like, what have been uh, what are some ways that you've thought about them that have been helpful, or what are some specific ones that have, have been really transformative for you in your life? Yeah. Um, and discipline always has that. Like whenever I was growing up, it was always like that had a negative feel to it. You know, like, oh, I'm yeah. going to be disciplined, you know, or like so I'm going to get in trouble, so I'm going to get disciplined by my parents. But like uh, as I've gotten older and, and really got into more maturing of my faith, discipline just became necessary, you know, the part that I loved. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, gosh, I don't know who he's, if it's Mark, John Mark Homer or um, the the rule of life. I don't know if you read that. Yeah. It's uh, but he kind of talks about the freedom you get from discipline, from structure. Yes. Um, and discipline really gives you that structure. And yeah. um, so for me, I think you know, gosh, like we're we're talking about that today. But prayer has been one of the biggest, and I think that's kind of grown. That's actually been a part of my life since I was a kid. I just remember my family. Um, you know, my parents aren't perfect. Um, my dad's a pastor. My mom's a librarian. <laughs> um, but one thing that they did well was they prayed with us. Um, so I never doubted the, that prayer worked whenever I was a kid. There were times mm-hmm. never my, you know, we would not have much money. There's five of us, and um, uh, and we were running low on cash, or you know, we didn't have groceries. And then my dad would gather us together and pray, and um, somehow God provided. Like we, I watched people bring groceries randomly, or a wow. check arrive, and just thank God together, and just see prayers answered. And so as a child, I just kind of knew that prayer worked. Now, my testimony is different of like, I really didn't understand a relationship with God, but I knew that God was powerful from a young age. And so that's been a discipline that's, even though I've known it for a long time, it's grown. Um, I think another one is just, is studying the word, like knowing scripture, which is definitely discipline. Um, uh, that is really a key part of my my faith of, you know, knowing the the written word so I can know the incarnate word. Um, yeah, that's really a good framework. Been, yeah, yeah, has been pretty key for me. 
Uh, other than yeah. that, man, I can't think of all the disciplines right now. Yeah, yeah. We can we can dig into a list here in a minute. But I, I think one thing that interests me about the disciplines um, is that they are really a means to an end, you know, mm-hmm. and that uh, I think maybe that's why we get stuck on them sometimes is we think like, you know, okay, I don't really know what happens when I pray. Like, what am I doing? What's the point? You know, what am I supposed to be getting out of the Bible? And yeah. um, and I think we have to remember that the goal of prayer is not prayer. The goal of prayer is t- is to draw closer to God. Very you much know? so, yeah. And it's it's to uh, it's to cultivate a life of of knowing and loving God that then spills out over into the world. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. I, I literally read a quote very similar to that. Is like <clears throat> we don't pray to get an answer. We pray to get God. Yeah. You know, and if that's our goal, then we can spend years praying for something and still not get yeah. it, but turn around and thank God for that. Of like, this has been yeah. sweet. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I'm really struck by the contrast you made a minute ago by um, the fact that this is how we get freedom. Is that, is that kind of like you said? Yeah. Th- yeah. Through, through structure, you get freedom. Right. And that's so counterintuitive to the way we think today. Yeah. We think like, you know, structure is something that's like putting constraints on me, you know, trying to, you know, tell me who to be or what to do, mm-hmm. you know. And we think of freedom as like the ability to do whatever you want, you know. Yeah. But this is kind of flipping it on its head and saying that, no, actually, when you take up discipline, when you take up, um, you know, certain constraints and limits on yourself, then you free yourself uh, to become, maybe we could say, who you're, like, created to be, you know? Yeah, very much. Uh, there's a book called The um, the Trellis and the Vine. Yeah. And so a trellis is, you know, kind of those little white fences that they they put up against a wall or something to help vines grow. And, yeah. you know, if you've ever seen a vine that's kind of untamed, it's just, it's a mess, you know, and gets everywhere. But when you put a trellis up, it's that structure, like kind of a grid that helps it grow upwards, you know, and yeah. uh, the, the, the book really just ha- says, Hey, having this kind of structure, having this setup will help you grow closer and, and grow upward. And yeah. uh, it's just, yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting concept. Yeah. And I think we get that with like different parts of our world today, like, um, physical fitness, you know? Yeah. Um, we, I think everybody understands that like discipline is, is good and necessary when it comes to working out, you know, that mm. if you, you, yes, you can eat whatever you want and, you know, but there's going to be consequences for that. Exactly. And if you actually want certain body or life you know then you've you've got to discipline yourself yeah but for some reason when we break out of like the physical realm all of a sudden now <laughs> yep it's like you know a taboo to, to say you should you know discipline or constrain yourself from your desires yeah yeah, yeah. you uh i know that for you uh you know I, I know for you that you've done like a lot of like work out, working out with guys <laughs> and things like that that's been a part of like discipleship for you right yeah, yeah, yeah. very much uh the, the two really like in the two go hand in hand for me um i'm i'm a uh slippery slope kind of guy like wherever something kind of slips it kind of slides all the way down to the bottom um so whether it be spiritually or physically um one usually is tied to the other so if you know my spiritual you know leg is falling it's going to bring the other leg with it um and so the two kind of go together so i try i really do try tying them in as much as possible um for me i I used to live overseas I, i was a journeyman with um imb international mission board for i two two to three years. I, I was a journeyman for two and I was, I uh, did hands on for eight months. So all in all, I was overseas for three years, but any, anyway, that's whenever really I was introduced to spiritual disciplines. Um, and it was the sweetest spiritual time for me. Um, it, it was, it was probably one of the harder times. My, uh, I was away from friends and family. It was in a very spiritually dark place, but, um, I really tied in exercise because I, I love exercising uh, this is one thing that God made me very passionate about and, and good at I think um, and that's something that I was always going to do and so I had to say okay spiritually I have to grow in that too 
So running for me became my time to pray. And so I was like, can you start running more? I was like, what if I started praying more? And it just kind of became a, uh, I'm going to run until I stop praying, you know? And I'm not a distance runner at all. If you you see me, I'm more of a uh, short sprint kind of guy. But there are times whenever I think I probably ran five to six miles just because I wasn't done praying. And the the two together just, it it, it grew me into this space, which I think I would describe as like, the spiritual realm kind of felt like a room with curtains. Yeah. And as I prayed more and tied it into my, my physical life too, like the curtains were being pulled back and it's like a bigger room, you know, of just like, there's so much we don't see that God's doing. And yeah. the more we pray, the more we dive into these spiritual disciplines, yeah. like the bigger God becomes and then the bigger we start seeing of, well, he's doing a lot, you know? Yeah. That's, that's fascinating to me because I think we a lot of times make like compartmentalize, we compartmentalize our life. Like this mm-hmm. is my physical right. part of my life. This is my spiritual part. And you found a lot of connections yeah. uh, between the two. Yeah. Know? And a lot yeah. of them from pride too. It's like whenever yeah. I worked out, it usually was tied to, I looked in the mirror a lot, you know, or like yeah. I really liked how I was, you know, it was affecting me and everything like that. And I said, well, either I stop working out or I've got to change my motive here. Yeah. And um, if the motive was to grow closer to God, letting that yeah. be an act of worship. Yeah. It it was helpful for me. That's really cool. That's cool. Well, I think one of the things we want to talk about today Mm -hmm. is just this, uh, is prayer, like like we said earlier. And uh, Will and I had a good talk last week about just uh, some different ways that you're trying to uh, push yourself in prayer right now further and further out. Do you want to give us a little, you know, glimpse of this book you're reading yeah. and the things you're thinking about, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I, again, I'm in college ministry, and this, this is one of my passions, missions and college ministries. Yeah. And I, I can't get away from those two. And uh, one of the guys I respect the most, his name is Paul Worsher. 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 Um, and uh, he came and spoke at um, Baylor a few years back, and um, I respect this guy so much. And one of the books he said that has been formative for him is The Hour That Changed the World. Mm. So it's been two years since I've actually like tried looking at it. And th- this year I-, I picked it up and started my semester just reading through this. And um, it's fantastic and challenging and, uh, um, and just effective altogether. But really it comes from this idea where, you know, Jesus is in the garden with his disciples and uh, he goes and prays. And like the-, the whole point of them being there is to pray. And they keep falling asleep. And he challenged him. He says, could you not even pray with me for an hour? You know, just one hour. Uh, And uh, the book challenges you, can you you not pray with God for an hour? And I started looking at my life of how many days of my life have I prayed for an hour? You know, is that even conceivable, you know, right. right now. Like, do I pray for an hour? Do do we pray for an hour? Probably sounds like a lot, a long time to most of us. Like, you know? It sounds like Very forever. Long time. It's yeah. like, because a lot of our, you know, quiet times maybe be 30, 40 minutes max. Right. And so, uh, you know, 20 of that, 30 of that's in, in the Bible. So 10, five minutes in prayer. Yeah. And like, we think we're good, you know, yeah, like, <laughs> what oh, else man, does there I, say? Yeah. Quiet time. <laughs> Boom. We prayed, yeah. you know, and, but like, that's, that's to be celebrated if we're growing. It is. Yeah. You know, um, but really, if he's showing us a standard of what Jesus said, you know, Jesus says, could you not even pray with me for an hour? Like, that should be bare minimum. And like last year, I guess two years ago, we started doing more prayer with the BSM. And once a week, we pray for about an hour, hour and a half. And I was like, man, this is a lot, but it's good. And I was like, one yeah. hour and a half a week. <laughs> and uh, and this guy's challenging an hour a day. And But as I've done it, it's been rich, yeah. you know, to to really take 
that intentionality. And that's really what it, it takes is, is yeah. intentionality to do it. Uh, so I'm curious. I, I love this quote. I think it was from John Wesley or Martin Luther. I think uh, I'll have to go back and look. But uh, one of them said, he said, I am so busy. Martin Luther. That, was it Luther? Okay. Yeah. I'm so busy that I, I must spend the first three hours of my day in prayer, you yeah. know. Which is it's crazy because, uh, you know, I think that's probably the f- one of the first reasons we would reach for for why there's no way we could pray yeah. for an hour because, like, I don't, we don't have that much time. That's like, you know, one twenty-fourth of your day, like, f- you know, 4% basically, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm too busy for that. And yet, you know, number one, of course, Luther was talking about three hours, but number two <laughs> is that that apparently for him was the reason why he had to spend that much time in prayer was because he was busy. And that, that just like messes up all my categories. You know? Yeah. And it really comes down to like, where are your priorities? Yeah. You know, what is your God? Is it your work? Is it your, you know, is it your productivity or, or is it your relationship? Is it your heart, you know, yeah. in the state of where you are? And Luther, obviously, like that, that quote, I learned it probably, I think it was probably 2012. And uh, it's really shaped like a lot of my, my desire for prayer is, man, do I, do I turn to prayer first or do I start doing and doing and trying to fix it? Then realizing, gosh, I did all this without God. You know, and the reality is like, why do we pray first? Well, do I expect me to do it or do I expect God to do it? And if I expect God to do it, then I need to start with him. Yeah. And uh, Luther really hits on that in, in that quote. Yeah. You said something to me last week I thought was important about kind of like moving out the length of time a little bit more and more, mm-hmm. you know, starting yeah. small and growing. Can you, can you say yeah. that? Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I started my semester out on my, my first two weeks of the semester. Um, I was tying in like, so for me, I was trying to figure out when am I going to get my hour in, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got, <laughs> I've got way too many jobs right now. I mean, I, I work with the BSM and I do first Woodway and then I'm also in seminary and I have two toddlers, three and below. Insane. I can't imagine that. Yeah. So it's, it's a stupid amount <laughs> of work. Like no one should be doing this, like rebuke <laughs> me. Um, uh, but there's still like, I, I said, this is, this is necessary. Like if something else falls, um, and I, I pray that's, that's obedient, you know? Yeah. And so finding time to do that. So I started my semester of going out in the evening and praying. I hadn't done that in a while, um, because I've been so exhausted with newborns. Um, but I started going out in the evenings and praying and there's something really, it's kind of off topic. There's, there's, there's something really biblical about that, you know? And cause often we're like, Hey, pray in the morning, start your day off. Jesus did that in Mark 2. We get examples of that in multiple places. Before everyone rose, Jesus got up. And so, I, I mean, I, I do that, but I used to pray at night all the time. Like, I would go on jogs and go up hills and whenever I lived in the U.K. Yeah. And when I worked at camp, I'd all every evening I'd go pray around the, the seawall of the coast. And I started doing that. I, went, I started going every night um, at 8.30. I'd go to the, um, the stadium. And so I'd go out to the stadium and just, I'd walk around the stadium and pray or I'd jog or I'd just sit at the water. And, uh, it was just rich, you know, and I started thinking, you know, Jesus prayed at night. Like he went up to the mountains, he went to the hills, he, he was in the garden. Um, there was something that he probably like, they didn't have TV, you know, they didn't do Netflix. They didn't hop on Instagram for an hour. I bet he spent a lot of time in the evening praying too. So I started doing that, and uh, that was a good rhythm. I, I still try to do that. Um, if I can do it twice a week, that's that's huge for me. Um, but really, my rhythm now is 
um, I have to wake up before my children <laughs> because uh, I really struggle to have any type of focused prayer before them. And my boys wake up at 6.45. Oh, man. <laughs> so um, if you're not a parent yet and you're struggling to pray and read your Bible, <laughs> just wait. Well, you're not encouraging me about my current plans. I know, you know yeah, you know, I know. You got maybe I should rethink this. Kid coming. Oh, it's more discipline. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so really, we were, last week we were talking um, about how I'm trying to grow it of right now, if I want to have any type of, and really it's very similar to um, what Martin Luther was saying, if, if I want to be any type of productive today, I have to wake up earlier and pray. You know, if I wake up the same time as my boys, my, my brain's not in the right space. I've been woken up by someone else. I've got to go right into daddy mode. Um, I have no time with just me and God. And so I've started, um, I guess probably two, a month and a half ago, uh, started waking up um, 545 uh, so that I can, I can spend 30 minutes in prayer before I read my Bible. Um, and slowly it's been a, a process of pushing it back because I really want an hour before reading. Um, and I also have not exercise as much because I've had too many jobs. So I'm really trying to push it back to as close to five as I can so I can run and pray for an hour and then read my Bible and just have time to really get my my brain in that space before my boys and my wife wake up. And yeah. uh, But for me, uh, like it's been worth it. My, my attitude, my energy has been night and day difference from whenever I was waking up and just kind of pushing in a quiet time or, you know, not having that prayer. Yeah, that's really good. A few things I hear there. Number one, some of us are runners, and that needs to just become the obvious, like, time and space tie where, the two together. where we tie these two together. Like, that's easy. Just you're already doing it. That's, there's your opportunity. Go. Start today, you know. Mm. The second thing I hear is that it's okay to start small and to to grow in terms of, of length and time. You know, if, if you are not really in the habit of praying right now for much at all or not for long, then, um, hey, start with 15 minutes, you know, uh, that, that'd be great. You know, if zero to 15 is, is, a, is a great jump to make, you yeah. know, and, uh, and start there. And I think once you kind of learn the muscles of prayer, I think you'll find that maybe you don't have enough time and you really, you, you, you want to push it out to 30, 45 hour. So, you know, start there for a week or two, a month, you know, whatever it is, um, and let yourself kind of build up. And that's okay. Cause I think sometimes we can get paralyzed with like, there's zero chance I'm pulling off an hour, so I'm just yeah. not going to do anything. You know? Yeah, and yeah. I think too often, as new believers or, or even being a in the church for a long time, we have like prayer shame. Yeah, you know, I don't pray as good as that person, you know, or I don't know how to pray, so I won't. Or, you know, yeah. there's this shame that comes along with I don't really know how to pray, and uh, I think there's, you know, there's something you know like that's okay, you know, but I, often it, it cripples us, you know, because I don't know how to pray or because I struggle to pray, I'm just not going to. Yeah. I think we need to be good at saying, hey, it's okay to relearn, you know, it's okay to to go into the gym and just be lifting the tens, you know, like, right. like there's no problem with that. Like, Shout out to me. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, had a, I had a roommate once and he, just, he didn't want to go to the gym because he says, I don't want to, like everyone's in there and they look all muscular and I'm over here just on the machine with the first little, you know, you the pin, the, the pin the in. Pin, yeah. It's like, dude, no one is in there judging you. Everyone's like happy that you're there. Yeah. You know, like, and they're judging you, then they're not in the right space anyway. Like, right, right. Um, so like for, in prayer, it's the same way as like, Hey, you, you pray for 10 minutes. Awesome. Like that's, that's huge. You know, like yeah. even if it's a, you start your day off or your quiet time off, just quietly saying, Lord, speak to me. Yeah. That's a huge step, you know, yeah. and, and letting it grow from there. And even for me, like I, I talk about, I was in Wales from 2013 to 2016 in the UK and um, best prayer of my life. Then I, I moved back to America 2017 and I started seminary 2017, 2018. 
I lost my prayer. Mm. Like, and that was a reality. Like I had the best prayer life I've, you know, I've ever experienced. And I just, this, you know, I talk about the, the realm of, you know, the curtains being opened, huge, saw so much fruit in the ministry. I I get to seminary and, you know, new stages of life, being back in America, being married. All of a sudden, whenever I started praying, I felt like I was sitting, you know, whenever you get, like, I whenever I got in trouble, my mom would make me and my brother, like, hold hands or, like, look at each other in the face if we're mad at each other, yeah, you know, like, we, yeah, yeah. We're, 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 like, just can't stand to be in each other's presence, but we just had to sit in front of each other, like, my mom made us do that. That's what I felt with God. Like, I'm in seminary, leading ministry, you know, and I just couldn't sit with God for more than three minutes. Like, I would read my Bible because I knew I was supposed to, uh, and I would try praying. I would just kind of list off the names of people, um, but it was just something I didn't want to do, and... Yeah. And it really, like, it was like that for probably five months, and I had to confess that often. Finally, what really changed is I realized that I had, I had a lot of pride in my prayer, and whenever I couldn't do it anymore, then I had a lot of shame. Mm. And I had to basically go back to square one of, Lord, teach me how to pray. Yeah. And we see that in, in Scripture, Luke 11. The, the disciples go out on their missionary journey. Jesus sends them out knowing they don't know how to pray. And when they come back and after Luke 10, they say, Lord, can you teach us how to pray? <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, Because we just now entered into the world and we realized that we don't know how to do this. You know, yeah, yeah. And they ask him to teach them, and he does, and he starts with the Lord's Prayer, right? You know, yeah. and, and, and so for me, after having this spiritually high prayer life and then having a very spiritually low prayer life, I literally, for the next few months, my prayer time was just going through the Lord's Prayer. Lord, teach me how to do it. And like, it was humbling and embarrassing, but now I'm at, again, I'm in, in this crazy place where I'm, I feel like I'm in the best spiritually, yeah. you know, prayerful, disciplined um, place in my life. And it was, it took months of literally my prayer time was trying to get through the Lord's Prayer and making it in my own words of just asking him, Lord, I need you to teach me to pray again. Yeah. I love this this concept of of not prayer shaming, and it makes me come back to that story about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and to think about how Jesus reacted to the people that could not pray for an hour. You know, mm-hmm. uh, for number one, he went back re- repeatedly. You yeah. know what I mean? And he gave them second and third chances. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, that should be you know encouraging to us. But but secondly, even after they still couldn't pull it together. He leaves the garden and he goes and dies on the cross for them, mm-hmm. for the guys that couldn't pray an hour, yep. you know. Mm-hmm. And that that ought to be kind of our mindset too, is that like in our weakness and our inability to pull it together, <laughs> that Jesus still loves us, died for us, even in that that weakness, um, you know. And and you know that ought to that ought to just kind of be a place where we sit and realize, wow, like I'm I'm loved no matter what, um, but yet. Let's see if I can let that love transform who I am and mm. pursue that God who loved me regardless so that I can be filled with that same love too. Yeah. And yeah. even if you think about the rest of the story, you know, after, like, so these, these ones who are struggling to pray, Jesus goes and dies. And what do they do after, you know, he come, like he, he raises and leaves? They pray for 10 days, you wow. know, like they pray for 10 days. And then Peter gets up and speaks for 10 minutes. 3,000 people are saved. Wow. Right, I've like, never made those connections. Yeah, yeah, it just yeah. isn't like the beginning of Acts, right? Yeah. Jesus yeah, yeah. leaves, and they sh- they, these who struggle to pray, these who struggle to get it, finally do eventually. Yeah. You know, yeah, and it's just they realize the power of prayer of just yeah. ten days inside. I think we we neglect that that like there, the power aspect of what's going on here is is that the prayer is not just like 
having a conversation with God that we may or may not have time to have, you know, that we're, we're accessing a power. We're, uh, we're declaring that it is not our own power that is kind of moves the world and makes things happen. Yeah. But we're internalizing and surrendering to the power that actually does make things happen in the world. And so I, I, I see that in that story where, uh, you know, pray for 10 days, talk for 10 minutes, crazy stuff happens that you never could have like calculated or strategized into existence. And I think in our own lives, it's the same thing that when we go back to that mindset of like, I don't have time to pray for an hour. Like I have too much to quote do like, well, a lot of the things that you need that need to be done, you know what I mean? Mm. Are going to be better done with God's, you know, kind of agency and just, uh, I don't know what word I'm looking for here, but he, he's going he's gonna to make things happen that we would have to spend a lot more hours to do than Absolutely. on our own, you know? Yeah. And so I think that uh, it's a weird kind of calculus you do, but, but when you actually bring yourself to a place that says, um, my, it's in my best interest and the world's best interest to, to stop and to pray, then, you know, you're going to be in a better place the world's going to be a better place. And, uh, and I, and I wonder myself if I have the faith to believe that, you know, mm-hmm. like even, you know, even as for those of us who, um, who say it, you know, I think, I think we have to really dig down. Do I, do I truly believe that? You yeah. Know? It's just an interesting concept of like, I remember, I don't know which pastor asked it, but, um, they said if, if, you know, if God told you that he would save someone this next week because you prayed for them, would you like, would you do it? You know, like, is there salvation? If their pet salvation was pending on your prayer, you know, how much, how many people would you be praying for? You know, like, yeah. and maybe it's not this next week, but I think the two come hand in hand of like, yeah. do, do we pray for people? And you know, in Matthew eight or nine it says that Jesus, um, is it Matthew? Yeah. Matthew eight. And, and I think Luke 10, um, Jesus walks into the city, um, I think it's Samaria. Either way, he walks into the city and it says he sees the people walking around like sheep without a shepherd. And then he weeps. He's, he's moved with compassion and he, and he weeps for them. Hmm. And he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray on your knees. Beg the Lord of the harvest to send workers into his harvest. Hmm. Right? And so like whenever he sees people, like he's moved with compassion and he tells his people, his disciples, to pray. Like, that's the first thing. Because he says that there needs to be a change in this world. So what you're going to do is get on your knees and pray. And the challenge is, like, when's the last time I wept for the lost? Hmm. Like, when's the last time I was moved with compassion for someone who was lost? And, like, do I pray for them as if God can do something? Yeah. And it's really interesting to me that, like, it's not, uh, it's not we need a lot of workers, so go out and recruit. Right. Know? It's not go uh, give people the best pitch on why this is worth their time, right. you know. Like, all the things that would kind of come under the umbrella of our strategy or, like, creativity, uh, this, is, this is exactly what we've been talking about. It's, it's realizing your own inability to produce what you want to happen mm-hmm. and calling upon God to, to stir something up within other people so that... When you eventually have the conversation, the work's already been done. You don't, you're not doing the heavy lifting. Yeah. yeah. And the reality is the, the things you, Ben Stewart says, is the things you pray about are the things you think about, and the things you think about are the things you pursue, things you chase. Yeah. And so it's, if I'm praying about this, I'm going to do something about it, you know? Like, yeah. there, there's, a, there's a guy I used to pray for named Jordan in Wales. Uh, he's come to my house all the time. We start doing Bible studies. We do worship. And he just never wanted Jesus. And then he started ignoring me. And so a year went by, and I just never saw him. We lived in the small town together. I never saw him. 
And uh, I would do um, weekly fasts with my roommate. And so one of my fasts, uh, we uh, I, Jordan came to mind. So I was like, I'm going to pray for Jordan. And so I prayed for Jordan all day. Like I didn't eat, you know, and just I kept, uh, I got on the bus and went to language school, came back. And, and, and in my breaks, I just prayed for Jordan. And crazy, like, crazy thing was six o'clock rolled around. Sun was going down. I knock on my door. I go open it. And it's Jordan, you know, and he comes in and uh, we, we, we have this great conversation and he never became a believer, but God really taught me something. It's like, you know, like prayer does something, you yeah. know, and, and even if he didn't come over, I probably would have tried to find him, go to his neighborhood, knock on his door, something. But th- what we pray about is what we think about. What we think about is what we pursue and what we chase. Yeah, yeah. But, man, that's really good. So what's this push-up challenge thing that I need uh, to know about? What do I need to know? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, again, like, w- the Bible talks a lot about prayer and, and, and praying actively. Like, prayer is not a passive thing. Right. You know, like, it, it is something that you get alone and you spend time, like, for sure. Like, Jesus says, you know, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites in, in the middle of town. Go into your, you know, your room, close your door. And he got alone to pray. Like, you know, don't he, do it for attention. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's really, don't do it for attention. But there is something of, like, showing people how to pray. Right. Like Jesus, Jesus showed people how to he pray. He says, I'm yeah. doing this for your sake, praying right. out loud for your sake, showing people how to do that. And so we do push-ups on Monday nights. There's this really buff old guy, he's like 67 years old, and he's been doing 400 push-ups every week. I met this guy like a little while ago. He could definitely beat me up at age 67. <laughs> he could beat so. me up. Yeah. Um, but he's one of the most evangelic people I know. Um, one, because he just, every person he meets, he takes them to, to get coffee um, and just asks them their story and what do they know about Jesus. But he also prays a lot. So he and I met, and he told me about this push-up challenge. And I like working out. And so we said, let's, let's start inviting people to do this. And so every Monday night, we, we would meet out in the gazebo beer near the um, law school. Yeah. So we'd do 400 push-ups, and we'd pull up a card, and whatever the, the face value or the, the whatever is on there, we'd do that many push-ups. And so it's hard, and um, our form really starts getting pretty wonky around 200. Um, but we had some guys start to come and started thinking through how, how do we disciple them in this, whether they're believers or non-believers. Um, and a lot of the guys were believers. And what we did after, we still do, after every push-up, or after, not every push-up, after every <laughs> night. <laughs> Gosh, a lot of prayer. Man, yeah, that's is that right. the Spirit or is that what? <laughs> after every push-up. I wouldn't be thinking straight after 400 every 400 names. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, no. 400 people. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I do either. Uh, at, at the end of every night, we would circle up and just say, hey, Who's someone that you're praying for? Like if God said, I'll save this person this week, if you pray for them, who would it be? Mm-hmm. And uh, every week we have someone who started writing them down, and sometimes they change. And I still remember a lot of these guys' first names. And we had three guys. Uh, two, one guy just became a believer, started doing push-ups with us. And one of the names, his first name that he, he brought up, um, we started praying for him. He became a believer in the next three weeks. Wow. And then he brought up a name and brought that other guy to push-ups, and he became a believer too. And so right off the bat, we're like, okay, this is something special. Um, We need to be praying together and keep bringing up this focus of, okay, God, I want this person to know you, but I have to start in prayer. And uh, so, yes, we we do push-ups together, but really the the growth together is we end praying for our lost loved ones um, and praying for each other as well. Yeah. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, well, I, I'm feeling I'm feeling inspired by the conversation today. Uh, I'm going to make a commitment on the air that may uh, may be kind of hasty, but I'm I'm going to do it. So, yeah. y'all ready for this? I think I'm going to jump into the hour of prayer. 
Yes. Um, I'm gonna let's do. Uh, I'll, I'll say I'll, I'll give it a week. Okay. Okay. And because this is this is new, um, and so I'll give it a week, and I'll, we'll just talk next week and see what happened. Okay. Yeah. Sounds, sounds good. good. And even if it turns into like realistically 45 minutes. Yeah. That's room to celebrate. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. No. No guilt. You know. No guilt. No how shame. How far I get. That's that's what you ought to be uh, proud yeah. of. And so. Um, anyway, yeah, feel free to text me and see if I'm, I'm holding up, and yeah. you know, but I'm, I'm going to jump in. Yeah, so. text me too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Maybe sometime we can go out and walk around the uh, the stadium together and just pray together but separately. Let's do that. Sounds like something we need to do. Yeah, if so. you guys want to join us sometime, that'd be great too. Yeah, send us send us a message. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This will be good. Um, well, y'all, this has been a good conversation today. Will, any, uh, any closing thoughts on prayer or spiritual <laughs> disciplines or anything like that? Man, just, just, just make it happen. Like, whether it's a little bit at a time, like... You know, it, it takes that step of, hey, I'm going to get up 10 minutes earlier or I'm going to just steal away. I'm going to avoid the, the sidewalk here so that I can go get away. You know, you, you mentioned John Wesley earlier. Yeah. There's a story about his mom, Susanna Wesley. She had 10 kids and uh, there would be times whenever she'd pull her apron over her head in the corner so that she could pray. And uh, for her, that was the only way she could escape and get alone with God, 10 wow. kids and her husband who was often in jail and... Like for, for me, it's like, okay, what's my metaphorical apron? You know, like, yeah. like, okay, I haven't done this yet. I haven't done this yet. This is priority for me. What am I going to do? Um, yeah. And for some students, it might just be like taking the long way to class, yeah. you know, the, or even the really long way to class, like yeah. a lap around the bear trail and then go walk to class. You yeah. Know? True. Um, if you're already walking, you know, pray while you walk, or if you're driving, turn off your radio, you yeah. know, if yeah. you're running, <laughs> Yeah, that's right. So many options. So uh, anyway, think about what this looks like for you and pull in a friend to whatever you're doing because that, that's going to definitely help a lot. And uh, we'd love to know what you're up to and, and your, uh, with your plans as well. So let us know. So, All right, y'all. Well, this has been a, a great episode. Uh, thanks for joining us today for the Light Bulb Factory. We'll be back next week with another discussion. Share this with a friend. Write us a, re- a review. Uh, give us a rating. We would love to hear from you. And we'll be back again next time. Mary had a little lamb, and her fleece was white as snow. Not Mary's, the little lambs. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently it was a girl lamb.